Hey folks, this is JK. Just wanted to say thank you for pressing play to tune in to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. Uh, this episode that you are going to be listening to today is with Jay Skibbins from a local organization here in the Bloomington Normal area called Children's Home and Aid. I'm uh, really excited for people to listen to this episode. I think there are a lot of great nuggets uh, that come out of it. Uh, just with Jay's backstory, his personal experience, and also the impactful work that he's doing with fathers specifically in the Bloomington Normal area. If you do have feedback or anything on today's show, uh, best way to get a hold of me is through our Instagram. It is helpmeunderstand underscore podcast. Again, we've now got an Instagram set up that is helpmeunderstand underscore podcast. Uh, if you could do me a favor, if you're listening to this on iTunes, feel free to leave us a review and a rating if you felt like this had a positive impact on you. Also, really appreciate it if you do listen to the podcast and then you're on uh, social media at all. Go ahead and screenshot uh, the episode and post that up and tag us again. Uh, Instagram, we are at helpmeunderstand underscore podcast. All right. Hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. I'm your host, J.K. McLeod, and I am joined today by Jay Skibbins. Jay, how's it going this morning? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? Uh, doing all right. Just continuing to hang in there through the, uh, the coronavirus quarantine of 2020. Quite the challenge we've got going on here. Yeah, I feel like I've never had to plan for like all of the minutes in the day up until now. Like every minute of the day kind of seems like it needs to be like have a plan or have something going on now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm actually coming in contact with people who feel like they're now busier or have more things to try and accomplish than they did before. And part of me wonders, uh, and I've, I've even thought that myself, I'm like, am I really busier or is it just that now it's even more noticeable? if we're all just kind of sitting there and nothing's happening. Yeah. And I get, I mean, I think that some people might be experiencing like that whole, like how much work do I actually do at work feeling? And like, cause yeah. I feel like a lot of things are broken up from like, Oh, I need to eat. I need to go to work. I need to get my kids fed. But now that you don't have the whole, like, I need to go to work from nine to five. Like how much work do I actually do on a given day? Yeah, for real. Uh, yeah, we're all being exposed for what our productivity levels <laughs> look like right now. All right. Well, uh, as I typically will do when I start with an episode, uh, I'll share with uh, the listeners where today's episode is coming from. So with Help Me Understand podcast, this is a podcast. I always say it's a podcast not about anything in particular. It's a podcast about just life in general. And uh, I tend to be a thinker and think of a lot of just different topics. A lot of things come across my table. And uh, I tend to be someone who, before answering a question that's asked or before voicing an opinion on something, I will typically first say, well, tell me a little bit more about that or give me some context. Uh, and I'm often known to say, well, help me understand where you're coming from with that particular thing versus just going head, head first into it. So with today's episode, the context behind it is uh, being a father myself, uh, two kids age 14 and seven, uh, and also just understanding the importance of the role of fathers uh, based on just not only my personal experience, but then uh, the things that have been passed on to me by my father, my grandfather. Um, I'm blessed to come from a family that has, a, has always understood the uh, importance of a male presence. Um, we may get into some of that as we talk about some different topics, but I've always uh, had, or not always, but since becoming a father, I've always had a really, in just constantly trying to either learn better ways to do things or understand why I maybe did something the way that I did it or whatever it may be. Um, just in general, just always striving to try and be the best father that I can possibly be and understanding that doesn't mean perfection, but just trying to do the best that I can. So that's where Jay comes in because typically what I do is when I want to want to understand more about something, 
I don't reach out to 15 different people. I try to zone in on a handful, a small handful of what I'll call experts. And he might laugh when I say expert, but uh, people who are in there actually doing the work in that particular field, in that particular area, who can offer a perspective that I don't have. So uh, Jay and I uh, actually were very loosely acquainted for quite a while because we used to attend the same gym. I would kind of see you coming and going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then found out that we have a mutual friend uh, who is actually Maggie from our first episode, the inaugural episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. And then um, I remember seeing a post about a group called Dads Uplifting Dads. So immediately my my interest was piqued. Then put the put the name in touch with the the posting, and I was like, ah, oh, this is this is meant to be. So that's what's led to me reaching out to Jay to have him on as a guest. Uh, really appreciate him taking the time. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it. So if you can start uh, just with first describing your current position, uh, what you currently do for a living, and then uh, we'll go into what some of your background is that led you to your current position. So if you can start with describing your current position, and then we'll kind of backtrack into what got you into that. Okay. Um, well, my position right now, I work for Children's Home and Aid, um, and I am their fatherhood coordinator, which I think that they probably could have named it like any number of different things because I'm the, I'm the first person to do it for Children's Home and Aid. So it's pretty cool because a lot of it is kind of me figuring it out as we go. Um, I was originally drawn to Children's Home and Aid in this position because they do home visiting which is like a program that's heavily based on parent education. So they have people who go like literally into the homes of people who are either expecting a child all the way up until they are like, the child is up to, I think, three years old. Okay. What they do is that they kind of coach parents through like the milestones, what to look for, just kind of helping them uh, get acquainted like with having a child. Um, and giving them the information, the research behind the things that they should be looking for and be prepared for. Because I feel like uh, parenting is one of those things that like everybody's expected to do, but there isn't like a class for it, or there isn't like a, yeah. I mean, there's books, there's books, but it's not like something that you were like explicitly prepared for. Yeah, well, for, <laughs> for sure. And it's an ever-changing landscape too, for right. sure. Like that, what what worked for the the child at six months doesn't work at twelve, which doesn't work at two. Which, yeah, it's an ongoing yeah. for sure. So uh, I was drawn to that, um, but then when they found out that I was a man, uh, which is somewhat of a rarity in social work, and then that I had kids on top of that, they had been kind of designing this uh, position. And so what I do is basically I'm kind of like a community outreach person. Um, I focus on dads, um, but what I do is I try to learn about as many resources that, that there are in McLean County, whether that's housing, whether that's legal, whether that is um, paying your utilities, anything that dads might need help with, it's my job to um, bring that to them and kind of be a bridge, kind of be a liaison, but then also learn what is available and is not available and kind of help the programs in place um, become a little bit more dad friendly. Okay. Because a lot of the resources that are available right now, what I've learned is that they are like mom centric is how they term it. Yeah. I remember you bringing that up in one of the meetings and that uh, it made so much sense, but it really surprised me. Right. Because even like our low income uh, program for like food, like health is called WIC, which is women, uh, infant and children. So like yeah. men are just completely left out of that program, <laughs> even yeah. in the title. So it's like, so it's this interesting position because I mean, there are so many things that being a man or being a dad, you have an advantage in, even if it's just like the idea of showing up, it's just like being a good dad sometimes to other people might just mean showing up. So. Oh man, it reminds me of that uh it, that Chris Rock skit uh where he used to 
I can't remember the exacts around it, but I remember him making a joke one time about somebody bragging about something they did for their child. And it was something that I think for us, we would consider the most basic. And he was like, what, why, what do you want a cookie? Like, congratulations. Right. <laughs> that's your job. So yeah, very, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. A lot. Yeah. Of sense. So somehow I managed to find the only, or possibly one of the few avenues where dads are at a disadvantage. Um, but like basically what, what overall my job is, is that I want to help dads become better dads so that the families that they're involved with become better families. Because I could say better kids, but like you should know that like if you're a better dad, you're probably being a better partner too for whoever you're helping raise the kids with. And if they're happier, if they're more supported, they're going to do a better job. So like a good dad has such a wide impact that it's not just I want dads to be better help their kids that should be better to help everybody they come in contact with perfect okay and that's uh that's a great way uh to describe what your what your current uh career is and i know that i had just gotten a bit of a snippet of it just from being involved in the dad's uplifting dad's group but it's great to get a bit more insight into the entire scope of what your position really is. And like I already commented, it really, um, it really took me somewhat by surprise when you talked about noticing that many of the programs are more geared, even if they're not, even if it's not something specifically like WIC that's named after, you know, female or woman or whatever, just noticing that a lot of the things like the childcare tips and things like that are typically geared towards or from the female perspective, I guess would be fair to say. Yeah, that was very surprising. So, okay. So let me get, well, let me get your opinion on that before we go into background. Why do you feel like that is? I have an assumption, but why do you feel like that seems to be where, um, where the foundation is with programs like that? Um, I think that with anything like societal or uh, family related, there's no like clean answer to that. And I'm learning as we go. Um, but I think that a lot of it is that a lot of the onus on being a good parent is placed on the mom. Um, so I feel like they're also, especially in a lower socioeconomic status, which is a lot more of uh, who we serve, that there are a lot more single moms or moms who are doing it, um, yeah, basically on their own. So like even when they open up like a like a case, like a, if we open up a client, it's usually like mom and baby. Okay. So I think it's just safe to assume that mom will be involved. And again, with assumptions, you fall into pitfalls because there are going to be exceptions to the rule. But I think that for the most case, if there is only one parent involved, statistically, it's going to be the mom. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense, and that was that was my assumption, but um, that makes a lot of sense based on what your observations have been so far. Okay, so um, let's get into a little bit of just your your personal background, uh, because I I believe that I'm correct in that this is a you know. As far as I know, I don't know any social workers that I've come in contact with who started off with, or anybody who's in your field who started off with, let me try and pick possibly, um, the. let me find something really low stress. Um, let me see if I can find something that's got like super standard regular hours. And um, let me see if I can pull in, I don't know, maybe about seven figures a year doing this. <laughs> so as far as I know, the people that I interact with in fields such as yours and also in education, which you've got a background in, uh, they get involved because there's some sort of a personal connection. There's a passion that they have for it. And so that's what I'd like to, to ask you about next. So talk to me a little bit about just your upbringing, your background, and how that then connects to what you currently do or some of the things you've done in the past. Okay. Um, well, uh, I was raised by a single mom. Uh, my dad wasn't uh, involved at all. Like I have, um, I met him twice. I met him once when I was like seven. Um, we, my, my mom's side of the family is like in the Decatur area, which is like an hour south of here. So um, we would go to see them on holidays. 
Uh, like my mom's parents uh, go see them on holidays, like a couple of extra times a year. But my dad's father also lives there. So like we would actually see him probably like four or five times a year. We would just stop by and see him on our way in and out of town um, when we would go to Decatur. And then like one random time when I was like seven or eight years old, my dad was there. And um, I don't really remember specifics of like what we talked about. Like my only memory of it is we were just on the porch, just the two of us um, talking or maybe not talking out. Like the, the memory isn't super clear, but like that's what I have of him. And then um, my sophomore year of high school, that grandfather, so his father passed away. And um, my mom took me to that funeral to kind of pay our respect. Um, and I met my father again um, and that side of the family. So it was the first time I would I was seeing like anybody on that side of the family besides my grandfather or dad. And it was just one of those moments in life that I was, what do you, like 14 or 15 when you're a sophomore. And I remember like aunts and uncles or whoever just being like, oh, it shouldn't take something like this to bring us together. And like, it shouldn't take something like this for us to like have a connection or whatever. Um, But I remember thinking like, even in the moment, like, but it did take this to bring us together. So like, I think that even in the moment, I wasn't uh, kidding myself that like anything was going to come out of it. And there was never like bitterness. It was just like a acceptance of the fact of like what already had been. Um, But my mom was an amazing single mom. She worked multiple jobs. Uh, I got to play all the sports I wanted to. I mean, we were poor, but we weren't like, like, I don't know. It was just, it was never like a in, in my face kind of way. I think that looking at it now as a parent, that my mom did a very good job of like shielding me from her struggle, um, which looking back on it, I kind of wish I would have known more about like how hard it was because I, I probably would have been a little bit less like entitled. Like you, maybe you would have appreciated it a bit more if you knew what she was going through. Right. Yeah. But like yeah. that's, I mean, I feel like, I feel like most kids, have stories like that or versions of that. Um, so like me and my mom got along really well and we still do. Um, she, but I think that even in the, like, as growing up, I think that she would make comments to me about not having like a father figure in my life. Like okay? that she would, whether it's through church or try to pe- get people that she worked with, like hang out with me, that like she knew that like the father figure was important and that I wasn't getting it. Um, so for me, fatherhood like has always been important. Like I remember I've worked with kids since I was like barely out of being a kid. Like when I was in junior high and high school, I worked in our children's group uh, at church. Um, then I was like a counselor during summers. So like I've always had a passion for working with kids. Um, and I think that as I started getting into adult life and like having my own stresses, having my own responsibilities, you just kind of start noticing what isn't there sometimes when you're like looking for a foundation of like, oh, well, why do why do some people have a better handle on this than I do? Why do some people seem to come into this easier than I do? And then you kind of start pulling things out like, oh, okay, well, I probably did miss out on this and I probably did miss out on the balance of having two parents in the home. Um, so, so yeah, so it's just been, it's always been on my mind. Fatherhood has always been an important thing for me. Um, and then I have kids of my own. I've got a five-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. And when they, when they came into the world, it was just like, all right, well now I need a plan. Now I need to be responsible. Now I need to grow up. And it's like, it's to the point where like I'm 31 now. And like, I really don't have super strong memories from like before they were alive. Like, I don't know like what, changes but like the memories from when they weren't around versus since they've been around i remember everything from when they were and have been here but when they weren't there i was just like all right i was in my early 20s and none of that matters now man yeah it's a it's just a completely different it's like a different life well it is truly a different life like it's just a completely different feeling and i'm sure for any of the parents listening they're all nodding their heads like oh yeah we know we get it especially when you go from one to then two and then if you go to multiples like it's yeah life will never be the same after the first one so you brought up 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my, like, I remember going from one to two being like, all right, this is like twice as hard. But like one to two is like exponentially harder. It like, it like compounds on itself. Like it's just, yeah, it is crazy. It is a crazy transition. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think commonly you, you start to kind of feel like you're, I, dare I say, getting the hang of it, but you, you just feel like you've at least developed a rhythm amongst the chaos that is raising children after when you're in, in it with your first one. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, we're going to do this again. All right. Well, I can, I can handle that. I just, whatever I've been doing, I just split that in half. Then it's like, oh, wait, no, the other one's getting older while the other one's also getting older. And then, oh, their needs change. So, yeah, there's a lot to balance there. So you brought up, um, so clearly that identifies what your passion was uh, coming into this and uh, really shows what your personal connection is. But you brought something up that uh, I've also heard discussed amongst dads also. And one of the things that you talked about is the fact that as you became older and had more experience, you were, you started to open up and understand some of the foundation that wasn't there as far as the balance of a two-parent uh, two household. Because uh, for all of the super moms and the super dads that are out there doing it on their own with no, no support necessarily inside the home or say if there's not a relationship with the, the partner or whatnot, you can try, uh, just from my perspective, it seems like you can try as hard as you want to, but you know, even you mentioned your mom was possibly trying to see if there was somebody from the church or people that would spend time with you just because she understood the impact that having that partnership would do. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that a little bit. So you've got this position that you're at right now where you're going in and you're trying to help fathers understand the resources uh, that are available to them, try to help them seek out maybe the resources that they need that they didn't even know they needed. Um, and for some folks, some of these things may seem like no-brainers. Like, for example, um, if they want to figure out uh, how to start, let me say, how to start a, a savings account or something like that. Like, hey, I want to put some money away and start a savings account. I remember my dad was actually the one who first took a cardboard box and he cut out a hole in the top of the box. And he was, he's a big believer, believer in tithing. So he was like, you need to take 10% out and you pay your tithe to the church. Then you need to take this amount out and you save it for your long-term goal. So he would make me write. Um, I think one time I wanted a bike or a football. I can't remember what it was, but on the top of the bike, on the top of the box, I had to write down what I wanted. And he said, then put some towards savings and then spend the rest. So he was like, pay your tithe, save some, spend the rest. And that was a lesson that I learned from my dad. So that was a foundation that I had. Now, whether or not I chose to carry that foundation with me for the rest of my life is a totally different conversation. But to me, that's an example of, okay, there was a foundation of something. So even if I were to slip and not follow the direction or whatever it may be, 10, 15 years later, I remember something that my dad gave me the foundation of. So what my question for you would be, what are a couple of things that you are, in your experience, you tend to see that people may be missing or come upon later in life if they haven't had their father in their life or haven't had necessarily both parents in their life, I should, I should say. If that's, I know that's not a right or wrong answer, but just in general, what are some of the common things that you tend to see that are missing? So I think that like one of the things that uh, it wasn't specifically because this person didn't have a father, but even in the first group that we had, we had a dad bring up that he has a hard time expressing like emotional love to his children. Um, and I think that it's, it can be very hard for men, especially uh, to, to uh, tap into that emotional capacity. Um, I think that as a society, we're as men kind of told to keep our emotions inside, keep our emotions bottled up, or just anger can come out, happiness can come out, sadness can come out. But that's just like three out of like the spectrum of emotions that we're like we deal with on a daily basis. So I feel like some men, some dads have a really hard time like doing like the the cuddly stuff, the the soft stuff, the um 
my kid wants to like sleep with me in bed, but that's not what dads do. That's not a man's job. Um, and I feel like sometimes we can fall into those traps of like what dad should be doing versus what mom should be doing. Um, and if you don't have that foundation that like dad's just as capable of loving as nurturing as moms are, then you can, you can run into that. Yeah. Okay. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I remember that, that particular conversation, it really struck me, uh, because within, uh, one of the things that, that I'll, uh, let folks know that are listening to, if you happen to be in the area or actually now we're moving to, um, moving to virtual calls. So we've got folks that are now dialing in from, um, from outside of the Bloomington normal central Illinois area where we're located, but, uh, we do honor confidentiality, obviously. Um, and that's super important. Uh, but I think, uh, that particular conversation that we had within the group where you were talking about, um, that you just referenced really, uh, really struck me because we've really got a group of very diverse backgrounds when it comes yeah. to not only the situations that we've come from, but also the situations that we currently have. And I remember um, in that particular conversation, one of the things that was referenced um, was, you know, I've, I've made it known, like I, I, I have grown up extremely blessed when it comes to the, the family background piece of things. Um, my family has never presented themselves as perfect, uh, but they were perfect for what I needed in order to provide some sort of a foundation. And uh, I'm blessed enough to be able to, at this point, if I, if I need to just like unload on something or vent about something or get some counseling, my dad is still available to do those things for me. And I remember the gentleman bringing up saying like, hey, so that's what I'm saying. My situation is different. I didn't have that growing up. So you know, when situation XYZ comes up, you can draw back on your experience. I don't have that. So I think that's what makes positions like yours so valuable is that even even with the upbringing that you had where you still had a very strong presence within the home it you understand kind of what that can be like but you're also then a resource for those other people that are that are just feeling like man i don't even know where to start because sometimes it can you can be going in so many different directions yeah and i I feel like what this all comes down to is, and this kind of like what, uh, what I've realized that like my life is about in general is just relationships. Um, I think that a lot of people want to, from my experiences and what I talk to people about is that they want to like separate different relationships, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship with their child, with their siblings, with their parent, with their coworkers, with their boss, with a romantic partner. But like at the at the root of any healthy relationship, you're going to have like honest, transparent communication. You should have understanding and you should have like the capacity for emotions to exist and not be judged. And like I'll have a conversation with somebody. I'm like, you know, I, I think that kids just need to be heard and to be seen. And that's really what makes a great kid. They just they want to know that if they if they really like. Dungeons and Dragons instead of baseball, that that's okay. Or if they haven't hit their growth spurt and they're 14, that they're okay. But then you take that and it's like, well, adults need that too. Like adults need to know that like, if you're 30 years old and you aren't married and you don't have kids and you're still working the job that you work at for the past five years, that like you're doing okay too. Like we could all get pushes and that helps if that push comes from somebody that you trust and that cares about you. But I think that at the root of like any relationship, there's going to be that, that trust, that communication. And I think that kind of like going back to our group, like that's what I hope to give to all of the dads who come to the group is that place for that trust and that open communication where they're not going to feel judged for not knowing how to be the warm, soft, cuddly side, because that particular person was really good at providing the house. He was really good at providing the home. He was really good at providing security and protection. And like, to be completely honest, like if we were, if me and him were walking somewhere dangerous, like I would, I would feel safe with him. <laughs> and I, he, he, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. He would uh, be yeah. able to protect me much right. better than I would be able to. That's just not my strong suit. But True. at the same time, like, I remember bringing it up in that meeting just because I was surrounded by 
10 to 12 dads for the first time in my entire life that like I was emotional. Like I, there was a couple of times during that meeting, like I was legitimately like on the edge of tearing up just because it was like, man, like this is just so cool. But like, then the way I express things is I am emotional. I, I will tap into that. But I also know that a lot of that has come from my second son. My younger son's name is Sawyer. And he is just, he is pure animalistic. He is pure raw emotion. Like he'll, uh, he, he'll like come up and nuzzle me like, like a tiger cub. Like he really thinks that he's a tiger some of the times. And like, he doesn't always communicate with words. He'll just like come up and nuzzle you and like make some noises. And then give you a hug and give you a kiss on the forehead. And it's just like this powerful, like, okay, so like I'm supposed to take care of this human being and like let him know that everything that he's doing is great. And he is not like he is, he should be that loving. He should be that open. He should be that caring. And it's amazing to see that he can be like he has the other side of the emotion where he gets angry and he gets upset and he gets frustrated. And he feels and shows all of those emotions at like 200%. But what, what he did was that he really, he made me tap into that side of things, that side of the emotional spectrum, because that's what he needed. And that kind of goes back to something you said earlier, is that like, as a dad, you have to like continually self-reflect. You have to continually like level up yourself because your kids are always changing. And like, especially if you have multiple children, your, your children are presenting different things possibly at the same time that they need addressed and they need it to be seen and like affirmed as they're doing a good job. So you've got to be changing and able to be like affirming for them. Very good point. Uh, I'd like to kind of switch, switch the topic just a little bit, just um, even digging a little bit deeper into what I'm going to call uh, kind of the emotion or the vulnerability side. So I think you you bring up a good point in uh, how I'm going to rephrase it with uh, one of the big challenges can be as a dad, how you're, how do you, how do you kind of work the seesaw and the balance of you got to, you got to, you got to be tough, you know, cause you're the man of the house and you got to run things. And then also you want to, well, in my opinion, you want to make sure that when your kids are not feeling good, when they, when they're having a tough time, when they really are doubting themselves or whatever it might be that they feel like they can, they can come to you and, um, and express that emotion without fear of, uh, without fear of reprimand, I guess I'll say. So let's use a, a, consistent scenario or not a consistent but a particular scenario so say you uh i i'm a client of yours and i come to you and i say hey here's what i'm struggling with right now um on the one hand i feel like i've got to be firm inside of my household with what a behavior is acceptable or unacceptable but then on the other hand like i end up hearing kind of secondhand that my son or daughter is struggling with xyz and they don't ever come talk to me about that so I feel like maybe I'm not opening up to let them be vulnerable uh, with me. Um, any, any particular kind of strategy or action steps or just a place to start that you feel like a dad specifically may be able to, to look at as far as how he works on trying to develop more of a sense of availability from that aspect? You can come to me when something like that is happening, but I also want to sure you see me as the leader of the house, I guess, so to speak. Right. So I think that what I would suggest, number one, is that like everybody uh, has their strengths. And I think that leaning into your strengths is a perfect way to, like a perfect place to start. Um, because it, it can be really hard or it can really be easy to get down on yourself about what you don't do well. Um, but I think across the board, whether you're a dad, whether you're a kid, whether you're a student or an employee, if you only focus on what you don't do right, then that, that just it leaves out so many good things. So if you're a dad and you're really into working on cars or you're really into cooking or you're really into going back to Dungeons and Dragons, if you're a dad and you're really into Dungeons and Dragons, lean into that. There's, there's so much you can incorporate with your kids that can pull them in um, because one of the 
one of the hardest things and most important things to do as a parent is to model what you want. One of the least effective ways to go about things is like the do what I say, not what I do uh, technique, which is, hey, I like, and this is honestly, this, this is something that my mom and I struggled with growing up because she would want me to clean. She would want me to pick up or vacuum the house. My mom is not a neat, tidy, organized woman. So it was like, hey, you clean up your mess, but just don't pay attention to my mess. Yeah, so, I can. Uh, I'm going to raise my hand as uh, as guilty on that. If if my wife listens to this, she's nodding right now, trying to fight <laughs> off saying I told you so. But yeah, continue. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's hard because but but then like, honestly, what kids really look up to what they really connect with. And this goes back to me being a teacher. I was a sixth grade teacher. So like the age group that so many people are like, oh, I would never touch like even sixth graders. They'll, they'll lean into like vulnerability and authenticity. So if, you, if you're going to lean into your strengths and you're going to do that, then also be working on those things. If you're not a neat and tidy person, but you wanted your kids to do that, then like practice with them. Say, hey, we're going we're gonna to clean up together. Uh, if you're not a good cook, say, hey, we're going to try to cook together. And as we all know, learning happens through mistakes. So you don't have to present the perfection for your kids to benefit from it. You don't have to get it right all of the time for your kids to benefit from you. Honestly, some of the times that they will benefit the most is when they see you fail, when they see you frustrated, when they see you angry, and how do you deal with it? When dad's mad, how does dad deal with being mad? When dad is sad, does dad cry in front of us or does he yell at us all to get out of the room and we know he's crying in his room by himself? If dad's mad, does he punch a hole through the wall or does he take some deep breaths, take some time to himself and then come back to us when he knows he can be calm? Like those are the types of things. Those are the modeling types of ideas that so much of parenting is simple, but really, really hard. It's not complicated because everybody can be a good parent. I firmly believe that everybody can be a good parent, but it's very, very hard. Um, so, and I got, like, like you said, I, I'm that same way. These aren't, I'm not speaking from a place where I don't make mistakes and I don't want anybody to think that because right. I mean, I'm the, if I showed you what my house looks like right now, it's not clean, but like we work on that and we're getting better. Like my kids are four and five. So what I've done now that we're at home, uh, so I don't have to be doing all the like cleaning up after our meals is that they get to choose one of the kids wipes off the table and like one of them sweeps underneath the table. And it's just those little things that gives them a little bit of the ownership, gives them a little bit of the control. We do it together. And then the, the, the kitchen area is a little bit cleaner than it would have been if I would have done it by myself. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I like the fact that uh, even coming out of that, uh, I'm taking away one of the, what I'll call an actionable step, because I think that that's always really important in sitting down and having these conversations with people on things that I've got a genuine interest in learning more about is being able to walk away with a couple of things that you can at least intentionally take action on. And, um, you know, not just walking away with like, okay, I'm going to try this one thing. And then hopefully if that, hopefully that one thing works, if it doesn't work, then, you know, whatever. No, it's about kind of starting a process and looking at ways to, to adjust. So the, the action item that I really just took out of that is, um, one or two action items. One, start with uh, give yourself credit for the things that you are strong in. Certainly doesn't mean that you can't work on improving other areas, but the things you're strong in still continue to lean into those things while you work on some of the other aspects that you feel like you need more development in. Because also the things that you're strong in, you probably still need more development in those areas too because your child will not stay the same age and man, oh man, your, your skill set has to adjust with that. But then the, um, the second piece that I'm really taking away from that is with not, not feeling like you always have to present that, that picture of perfection and, uh, allowing them to see how you process the, the things that happen. So that actually will be a nice transition into Hey, here's where we are right now. So right now, uh, we're we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. So 
Uh, there's a lot of things that we just don't know what, we don't know what things are going to look like a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. And uh, we don't know exactly, you know, for those of us with the school age kids, we don't know 100% what the lesson plan might be. You know, I feel really good about what we've been provided because I at least know we've got certain activities I can count on. Okay, I know at the end of the day, I can do these particular things, but totally unsure on what this means for my eighth grader. Like, what does that mean as far as, you know, what her grades look like? um, She applied, um, she applied to a private high school. So is she going to be able, like, how do they figure that out? And there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. So right now you've got, say you've got uh, folks that you were doing home visits with, which I'm assuming, has that stuff stopped? at this point? No, we, it, it's just uh, similar to how our dad's group is adapted. It's just a little bit more virtual, um, okay. a little bit more texting or over the phone. We're not meeting in person with anybody, but we're Thank still keeping our lines open. Okay. So still there's a resource and all that. Okay. So um, say that you know, you're having a conversation with someone and they, uh, a dad specifically, and he's been working through things and had felt like he was making some progress. So, hey, you know, I had been doing this particular thing. I, you know, I know, hey, you know, Jay, I know I was out of work for a while, but I finally, I found this job and then boom, they shut the job down because they said it's not an essential business and I'm not getting paid right now. So I've got to, you know, I've got to go back on WIC or I've got to, you know, bring those things in. We're just, you know, things are just different now. I maybe had a rocky relationship with my partner but we were making it work. And now we're all in the same spot at the same time, almost all day. Like, man, I can't even leave the house right now. (laughs) So what do you, what kind of, um, what kind of advice uh, would you give to dads around, Hey, this, you know, this is in these uncertain times, what are some things that you feel like we can try to focus on to try and still move forward, make progress Uh, despite all the uncertainty right now? Okay. I think that for, like to start off with, I would one, just kind of hopefully get to know them a little bit to understand, again, like what their strengths are and things like that. Um, Because some people really do have a good sense of what they already are telling their kids and what they do kind of shield their kids from. And especially as the kids get older, they can usually handle a little bit more or like a different version of it but one thing i've always been a big proponent of and this comes from my time in school and my time in parenting and working with parents is that you'd be surprised how much kids can handle um you'd be surprised how how emotionally capable children are um you don't want to use them as a as a therapist obviously but it's that vulnerability piece. It's that like, hey, dad has lost his job or dad is struggling. Um, and yes, your kids might be might be a bit um, worried about things, but a kid a kid experiencing emotion, whether that's good or bad, shouldn't be seen as a negative because in my mind, everything a kid is doing, especially from like zero to like 15, and that's just a made up number 15, right. but like they're right. just practicing. They're just like decision-making. Should be, they should be practicing decision-making. From the time that they're like three years old, like do you want to go to the bathroom upstairs or downstairs? Do you want to have your peanut butter and je- like jelly sandwich cut into triangles or rectangles? You practice like the little things when the consequences are smaller so that as they progress, as they get older and the consequences get bigger, that they are better decision makers. So the same thing would happen with the emotional capacity is that if you never share with your kids your struggles as a parent, that when they get to the point where they're having emotional struggles or financial hardships or losing a job, they're not going to have any of that practice to like fall back on. So if I was going to give a parent a suggestion, no, don't tell them everything. Don't don't put <laughs> don't put the burden don't put the burden on the kid to fix it, but include them 
as much as you think is appropriate at that time. Like I, if I could connect it back to teaching, like if we had a problem, say, I remember specifically there was this time that like after lunch, the kids would be like horsing around while they would be getting a drink at the water fountain. And some of the teachers wanted to just make the drinking fountain off limits. Okay, you're horsing around, you're just gonna lose it. You can't, you can't get a drink after lunch anymore. So some of the teachers wanted to do that. But when you take the kids out of the equation and don't present it to them, then you kind of lose, one, you lose part of that relationship. They feel like you don't trust them. And you're kind of showing them in a lot of ways that you don't trust them. But if you just pull a couple of them in, or in that, in the case of your, if you're at home, pull your kid in, talk to them. Hey, we're going to have a little bit less money. We're going to handle this. We're going to get through this, but we might not be able to eat in McDonald's every week for the next few months. We might not be able to be like, just be transparent with them to the point where they aren't taking on too much of the stress. Yeah, so I could, uh, yeah, it, it does. And so I'm going to ask a, a question for clarification. And this is one of those moments we were talking before we, we started recording. Um, this is one of those moments where my personal question then comes out because this okay. is where this whole podcast was born from, is me wanting to, to learn different things. Um, and I've, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to focus on is trying to find that balance. Like you, you made a, you talked about a phrase and I actually, I wrote the phrase down as shielding them from the struggle. So you mm -hmm. talked about having some transparency, but they don't necessarily need to be stressed out by it. And so um, I'm picturing a scenario where, you know, I've always prided myself on trying to keep my kids uh, informed that sometimes there are things that come up that force you to need to kind of change the trajectory of how you're doing something. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't, we're not in a position to just go spending money on absolutely everything that we see. There are certain things that we need to be smart about. But then on the other hand, you know, truthfully, I want them to be comfortable. I don't want them to have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. Like, I don't want them to take it take a, hey, you know, money is a little tight right now, they may translate, in my opinion, they may translate that as, oh, we're broke, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden. And th again, this is just my opinion. Um, so I, I go back and forth with, okay, how do, I, how do I show them the real? Like, how do I keep it real with them, but not stress them out? So some of the, like one of the tactics that I've used um, with my kids just subconsciously is, uh, you know, if I want to try and budget a little bit more for a particular week, just because we have, you know, the kids 13th activity that they want to sign up for mm -hmm. <laughs> that now requires another registration fee. Uh, sometimes what I'll say is, uh, hey, you know what, this week, let's look at, uh, instead of ordering out four times, let's look at two times. And then what do you feel like are two two things that we can make at home or two things we can do different or something like that. Uh, I guess you get where I'm going with that. Like just, right. I, str I definitely struggle with keeping it real while also like keeping them comfortable, I should say. Um, right. Yeah. That's something I struggle with for sure. I think that you like two things that you kind of touched on there were that um, you included, you, you're, you're including them in that process, which I think is a very good thing to do. So you're, you're not saying, Hey, we're going from four times to two times. You don't get any choice in this. You could say like, you're saying like, Hey, we're going to go from four times to two times. What do you want to make at home? And then you could go even further and be like, where do you want to go? And the two times that we go out or grab something, you can include them okay. in that process, which like, as we all know, as adults, like when, when our companies that we work for make changes, if we don't feel like we're part of that change, if we don't feel like we have a voice in it, it's so much harder to adjust. Even if we gave our voice and they don't listen to it in the end, if we were able to give our voice and, and we feel like they heard us and then they still made the best decision, we'll be okay with that change a lot more than if they just say, hey, now we're doing it this way. Sorry for your loss kind of thing. So okay. including the Go ahead. 
Go uh, it, like in the including them is a big thing in in that process. But I think that the other part that I picked up on is that when you're not entirely like not like 100% transparent, but when you're not being transparent, what you're kind of doing actually is confusing your kids. Because as we all know, kids are incredibly perceptive. So if they're noticing that dad's a little bit stressed or mom's a little bit stressed or like something's tense or something's in the air or dad's acting a little bit different, but you're trying to act like everything's normal, what you're doing is sending them mixed signals and then their, their ability to read things is being skewed. And you're actually probably doing a little bit of a detriment, not like you're not going to ruin them, but it would be like if you were with your partner and they were going through some stress and they weren't telling you and trying to act like everything was okay. You can kind of feel it. And then you kind of start tracing like, am I, is there something wrong with me? Am I, am I crazy? Do I think something's wrong? That's not really there. And when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you don't want to, you don't want to put yourself in that position because I mean, you're still learning how to have emotions. You're still learning how to process your emotions. So like if dad's saying everything's okay, but dad's a lot more agitated or dad's like looking for jobs more or dad's doing things that aren't normal, but he's saying things are normal. How confusing is that for a kid? Ooh, okay. Talk about some action steps coming out of this. Okay. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. Okay, well, man, perfect. We uh, we could keep this going for forever. I might have to. We might have to to do another one. Sorry, right, I'd be down for that. Some point down the road here, yeah, because uh, definitely some great stuff coming out of this. So, uh, thanks again for spending some time with me. So let's kind of let's move to to wrapping up here. So. Um, you've shared with us, you know, some of your background, what's led to your current position. Um, and I definitely appreciate you taking the time to do that. So um, in wrapping things up, um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you've got dads that are out there who at the base of it, they're just trying to be a good dad. They're just wondering, you know, I'm, am I doing enough and, and different things like that? And if I'm able to paraphrase this correctly, I feel like the major messages that you want to send out is number one, there is no perfect. Um, right. Number two, you know, give yourself some credit for uh, what you are accomplishing. Make sure you can focus on the strengths that you do have, lean more into those. Um, and then really a big takeaway that I'm getting from you is you don't have to present perfection all the time. And, mm -hmm. uh, something that really links to the children is it's very important to keep, keep them active from a decision-making standpoint. Uh, even if you take, you know, there are, I keep using the example of going out to eat, but you know, so <laughs> there's, least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or let's use activities. Like there's 15 different activities, but you know that what you'd like them to do is probably there's three different ones. You don't know which one, mm -hmm. but there's, you'd like to narrow it down to it's these three, three activities. So instead of just saying, well, you're going to do this one, it's, Hey, mm -hmm. um, out of these three things, which one would you like to do today? And that's how you keep them. You kind of keep them moving, keep them active, which I think is especially helpful for times like right now where we're doing right. a decent amount of distance learning. So, so some great actionable steps. Um, any, any last things that you'd, you'd like to share or anything uh, message to any of the dads that might be, might be listening or anything like that? Yeah, I was going to take a take you back on kind of what you said. And, and the fact that like, so if you have this goal for what your kids, uh, what you want them to grow up to be is like good decision makers who have the emotional capability to handle a healthy relationship and then hopefully hold a good job and become a good family member themselves. The best way to do that is to help them practice when they're young, give them those decisions they can make when they're younger. Even if it seems silly, do you want to leave the park in two minutes or five minutes? They still make the decision. You're still gone in five minutes. And then the struggles that we go through, especially now is the, letting them process through their emotions. If, if things suck and, they're, and they are frustrated by the limited things going on, they, they shouldn't have to stop being frustrated. They should help like, learn how to process through that frustration so that it doesn't ruin their entire day. Maybe it ruins 20 minutes, 
but they don't have, they shouldn't have to lose their whole day just because they're frustrated or feeling emotion. Um, and then lastly, what I would say is that, especially with our group and like what our vision is, is that like, it, like asking for help shouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's a hard thing. I think that I, I hate stereotypes. I hate gender stereotypes in particular, but men seem to have a hard time asking for help and admitting they can't do it all on their own. And to be co- completely honest, when I got re- like when I, when I started letting go of that idea that I need to be everything my kids need to be, and I'm realizing the potential of all of the people in their lives, their teachers, their mom, their mom's friends, their mom's family, even though I don't like their mom, like, or that's, sorry, I don't like their mom's family, like oh. me and the boy's mom, like the, their grandmother on that side, we're not best friends. Okay. But she doesn't have to like me to like my kids, right? Mm. Like she can bring value to them without bringing value to me. So I think that sometimes we lose that idea of like it takes a village to raise a kid. And when you're doing it alone, asking for that village or building that village can be incredibly hard. So like, come be a part of our group. Like if, if you're a dad, yeah, for real, come be a part of our group. It's, it's, it's the coolest thing I've been a part of. Yeah, it is. Uh, that, that actually may be, may be a, a topic uh, for a whole nother, a whole nother episode here is just really digging deep into vulnerability as a dad specifically and, and asking for help and, and things like that. Because um, again, for me, I was raised having that resource available to me, whether I took advantage of it or not, I always knew it. It was like I had this, I, I, I had a human library that I knew I right. could pull from. Just like now, if there's anything that I want to learn about or dig deeper into, I am blessed to have people around me that I know I can reach out. I can reach out to you if I need to, to put somebody in contact with somebody who understands, hey, I'm really struggling with this as a dad. Hey, I actually know a guy who this is what he does. So I'm very fortunate in, in that. But um, it takes a lot, especially as a dad, it takes a lot to reach out and say, I feel like I'm struggling with this. I need some help just because you feel like there'll be so much judgment. Uh, right. You're not supposed to. I mean, as a man, just in general, you're, you're not supposed to say that you're struggling with something because that's seen as weak. So it, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And, and that says a lot for the, I will say that says a lot for the culture that you are, um, that you're embodying, if you really think about it, because um, if you have, if, if you're not, you can say whatever you want. But if you aren't truly creating some sort of an atmosphere where dads feel comfortable doing that sort of thing, then you wouldn't have the amount of conversation coming around you that you do. You wouldn't have the group that you have and things like that. So I think that's, that says a lot about the passion that you have for what you do. So props on that. Uh, it's something that I look forward to uh, for sure. So um, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up uh, real quick before we log off here. Uh, if people would like to get a hold of you or learn more about uh, the group, the Dads Uplifting Dads group, what's the best way to find information or reach out to you? So we have a Facebook page that's just titled Dads Uplifting Dads. You can search that on Facebook. Um, that'll pop up. And I run that. So um, if you send a message, I can get back to you right away. Um, I try to share, even today I shared a post of a dad who posted like a video of he was doing math in his driveway with uh, sidewalk talking to his kids. So part of that is just kind of highlighting the cool stuff that dads are doing. Um, if they wanted to reach me specifically, um, you can go through my work email, which is like the letter J and then Gibbons, S-K-I-B-B-E-N-S at children'sominade.org. Um, and those would probably be the best two ways to get a hold of me. Okay. And uh, I will do my best to link all of that information in the call notes. I say do my best, best versus I will, uh, just because uh, I'm, I'm still learning some of the nuances in how to get things published correctly. So I will do my oh, yeah, best. 
I'll do my best to put those links in there. Uh, but if by some chance those links are not there or you weren't able to get the information down, if you're listening to this, then uh, just reach out to me and um, I will get you in touch with Jay because I know how to do that. So, uh, all right. Thanks again for taking the time. Oh, let's see. We got a visitor there. All right. Keeping it real. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Mood all day. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for taking your time. Really appreciate it. And we'll be talking later. All right. Sounds good, man. Have a good day. All right. Bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Help Me Understand podcast. If you would like to reach out with any feedback or story around how you took action based on today's episode or any of our previous episodes, feel free to contact us directly. The direct email for the Help Me Understand podcast is helpmeunderstandpodcast.hmu at gmail.com. Again, we can be reached directly at helpmeunderstandpodcast.hmu at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at helpmeunderstand underscore podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you later.